bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Awesome. So good. Bless this house. So good to be in church with you today. Looking wonderful. Yeah? Some great worship, great time in the presence of God. With the body of believers, what could be better? Hey? Did anyone have any trouble sleeping last night with that wind? Blowing, blowing, blowing. <laughs> It was loud. It was like, you know what it reminded me of? Acts chapter 2 where it says the Holy Spirit came upon them and it was like a violent wind that entered the upper room. That's what it reminded me. It was like the Holy Spirit's out there. He's doing something. Amen. (laughs) I'm going to pray as we get into the Word. Amen. Father, we thank You that You're a good God. You're a good God, that Your Word is full of truth. It's full of promises that lead us to life. God, I pray that today You would speak to us, Holy Spirit, Speak to us, we pray. In your name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Psalm 112, verse 1 and 2 says this How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in, obeying, delight in obeying his commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. That is the essence of this series Bless this house. You know, the, the, God wants us blessed. He wants us to live in blessing and His Word, the truth, the Word of God is full of instructions in how we can walk in that pathway of blessing, not so that just we can contain blessing for ourselves, but so that our children and our children's children will walk in blessing also. I don't know about you, but I get excited about that. That is our our future. Even having Ethan service lead today, and he does that, you know, fairly often. But that next generation of people that are just rising up, carrying the call of God upon their life, walking in blessing and favour. I love that this church is a multi-generational church. Hey, from the youngest to the oldest, we carry the presence of God no matter who we are and what season of life we're in. We're all here together. We can partner with one another. We can help one another as iron sharpens iron as the body of Christ. Sounds good? In Matthew chapter 5, we've been using the Beatitudes, looking at these conditions or these statements of blessing that Jesus spoke to his disciples and to the people in the Sermon on the Mount. And we're just going through a few of these Beatitudes and how we can apply these principles to our life and see our, our, our children and our children's children set up for blessing in Jesus' name. The first week we looked at blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We talked about what are we as individuals and as families, what are we hungering and thirsting for? What do, what do we have an appetite for? We talked about bringing God into our conversations and and making church, the bride of Christ, a priority. We talked about showing our children and showing others that our faith is fun, that that Jesus is full of life and joy, abundant. The second week, we talked about blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. Pastor Brennan brought a great message about taking responsibility, my heart, my responsibility, And it starts with me. If we want to set our our children and our children's children up for blessing, it starts with us. We can draw a line in the sand. Whatever has been, has been. But I I declare and I decide what will be for my future. 
by God's hand. We've got to learn to parent to the heart or talk to the heart of the issue, not just what's on the outside, but get to the root of the issue. And we talked about keeping out impurities, the impurities of this world that will come and try and defile. But if we could keep that out, keep pure in heart, that we will see God. And today, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. It's going to be a good message today. Blessed are the peacemakers. You know, there are two types of people in this world. There are the peacemakers and there are the peace breakers. Yeah? (laughs) Hey, there are the rule keepers and there's the rule breakers. Yeah? There are those that believe rules are there for a reason, so you shouldn't. You just stay away from them. Don't break them. And there's others that rules are there to be broken. (laughs) And they just love to push the limits and push the boundaries. They like to push the buttons. Yeah? Yeah? We, we've all got, I know, people in our world, I'm sure, if you're not, if you're not it, there's someone close to you that is. We were, at, we were sitting around the dinner table the other night and at dinner we've got these plastic cups. They're all different colours and we've, it's just what we do at dinner time. And so they, I was sitting there and I asked Oliver, my five-year-old, I said, which cup would you like? And his response was, whatever one Tory wants. He didn't actually care what colour, he just wanted whatever his sister wants. He's just a stirrer, he's a button pusher. And church, you're going to have to pray for us because we've got a long road ahead, I think. (laughs) But there are people in life who do everything they can to avoid conflict. And then there are those people in life that seem to just want to find conflict and trouble wherever they go. True? There There are the high maintenance people and there are the low maintenance people. And in every relationship, there's only room for one high-maintenance person. (laughs) If you're like, "Mm, who is that? If you've got to think about it, it's you. (laughs) I'm kidding, I'm kidding. (laughs) But most of our homes and our families and our relationships are made up of people who are different, that are wired differently, that we, we think differently, we act differently. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But usually it is our differences that cause tension. It's our differences that can cause conflict and a bit of strife in our relationships because we are different. Maybe it's, maybe it's kids that are always fighting. They're always at each other. Oh, fighting, fighting, fighting. Maybe it's a, a mum and a dad or, or parents who just don't seem to be able to communicate very well. Maybe it's you feel like you've got your parents looking over your shoulder and oh, I just need some freedom. Or maybe you're a difficult teenager. <laughs> who's just rebellious and making some wrong choices. Maybe there's, maybe there's ex-partners, maybe there's stepchildren, maybe there's blended families going on. Maybe it's adult children that just seem to be wayward. Maybe it's the in-laws. Should we go there? <laughs> maybe it's the in-laws and they're annoying, but I've got good news for you, church, is that one day you'll be an in-law too and you can be annoying as well. So, <laughs> Hey, no matter what is going on in our homes... No matter where it seems like there may be conflict and unrest and a lack of peace, I believe that as we submit our lives to God, as we follow him, that we can carry peace and that our homes can be marked by peace. And I just want to put something out there, churches. I want you to know that we're not talking about having perfect homes. This is not about saying how you can have a perfect family or a perfect home, but what I do want to talk into today is how you can have a peace-filled home have a peace-filled marriage and a peace-filled family. Amen? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. 
I love that right from the beginning as it talks about the peacemakers. They will be called children of God. Do you know what children do? They reflect their parents. Children reflect their parents. As much as we would probably like to deny that sometimes. There's, there's times where I just go, no, it's Brendan's fault. It's not me. It's Brendan's fault. But children reflect their parents. And in, in what it's saying in this scripture, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. That as the world looks on at the peace that we carry and the peace that, that we outwork in our lives, then we will be called children of God. That we will reflect the heart of our heavenly father who is the ultimate peacemaker. You know, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Yeah? Turn the person beside you and say shalom. Peace be with you. And also with you. <laughs> shalom. And this is what the great thing about this word, this Hebrew word shalom, is, is, that, is it doesn't just mean the absence of bad. It doesn't just mean the absence of bad. What it actually means also is the wishing the highest good. And so what Jesus is saying when he's using this word shalom is he's saying, I don't want you to just to be without strife or without calamity or without difficulty. I don't want you just to, it's not just the absence of bad. Actually, it is the presence of the highest good. That actually we would wish the highest good for one another. Because there's a difference between peacemakers and peacekeepers. You know, I love the Bible so often in Jesus' teachings, he flips things on their head. It's not just about keeping the bad out, but actually it's about moving forward and about pushing and making peace. Um, Matthew chapter 7 verse 12, many of would know this as the golden rule. Matthew chapter 7, 12, do to others as what you would have them do to you. You know what? Many of us live our lives with that verse inverted. Instead of being peacemakers where peacekeepers don't do to others what you wouldn't want them to do to you. But that's actually not what Scripture teaches. That's actually not what Jesus says. Hey, no, no, I want you to go first. I want you to take the high road. I want high road. I want you to make peace, not just keep peace, but to make peace that you would do for others as you would have them do to you. See, peacekeepers, they will avoid conflict to keep the peace. Peacekeepers will, would rather work around a conflict rather than work through it because they want to, sorry, work around an issue because they want to avoid the conflict. Peacekeepers would rather leave something as long as they can and just hope that it just works out. Just hope that the problem goes away because they want to avoid conflict. They just want to keep peace, but they're keeping peace, not trying to make peace. Peacemakers, they embrace conflict in order to see peace, to make peace. They recognize that a person is more important than the fight. Yeah? They recognize that holding on to a relationship and preserving that relationship is more important than holding on to our ego or our pride. A peacemaker chooses not to ignore or go around, pretend nothing is wrong, but to work through it for the sake of a healthy family and a healthy relationship. Can I tell you these principles? If we apply them to our lives, we can set up our children and our children's children. If we establish a culture of peace in our homes, choosing to be peacemakers, not just peacekeepers, in Jesus' name. The good news, church, is that with Jesus' help, we can do this. With his help, because who is Jesus? He is the Prince of Peace. He is the ultimate peacemaker. I loved your message, Liz, this morning. Jesus, who came, he made peace with us because we were separate from God, but God sent his son, Jesus. He is the ultimate peacemaker. He wanted us to be reconciled with the Father. So when we, we talk about we're not just Christian families, but we are Christ-centered families. Because we're not just people that talk about these ideas and think, oh, that's lovely. But no, we put Christ at the center. We put Jesus, the Prince of Peace, at the center of our relationships and of our families. 
and our homes. And as we do that, as we go to Jesus, our, our foundation, our advisor in our times of need, as we follow him, we can learn how to be peacemakers. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 says, Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honourable. Do all that you can to live at peace with everybody. Everybody underline that in your Bible. Do all that you can. Because you know what? We can sit here today and, you know, it's really easy to listen to a message like this and think, I wish that person was listening. (laughs) Or you nudge your your spouse, I really hope you're listening. Wake up, don't fall asleep. (laughs) It'd be really easy for us to go, I wish, I, I really hope that they hear it. But no, no, no. As far as it depends on you, do all that you can to live at peace with everybody. Verse 21, don't let evil conquer you. Conquer evil by doing good. If that's not a message that we need to apply to our lives today, I don't know what is. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Because naturally we want to pass the blame. Naturally we want to divert responsibility, but actually we're called to examine ourselves Take responsibility. Remember, my spirit, my responsibility. My heart, my responsibility. And do all that we can to live at peace with everyone. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Verse 3. Make every effort, there it is again, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. I love that image. I love the concept of my family or my marriage being bound together, not scattered, not disjointed here and there and oh, this idea and that idea, we're pulling against each other, but bound together together with peace, that we are so closely knit because we are united in the spirit. We are united in our vision. We are united in our heart towards God. We are united in our family, standing firm on the solid foundation, which is Christ Jesus. That is what will bind us together in peace. So there are three things that peacemakers do. If we want to walk in that way of blessing, that we can experience peace in our lives, But not only that, that we could establish a culture for our children and our children's children of walking in peace. This is three things that peacemakers do. It's going to get really practical right now. The first thing is that peacemakers tell the truth in love. Peacemakers tell the truth in love. Don't leave those last two words off. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 says, We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Notice he doesn't say yell the truth in love. We like to do a bit of that sometimes, don't we? (laughs) When we're having conversations or we're in heated discussions, creative conversations, is that what they call them? And sometimes we can begin to yell to get our point across. We're trying to, we, we think we've got the truth and so we're speaking the truth, but we're yelling the truth. And you know what? Yelling is usually the first sign that emotions are getting out of control, that our emotions are beginning to escalate. And sometimes we need to say, you know what? That's actually not right. I need to, if I want to speak the truth in love, then I need to make sure I walk away. I need to calm my emotions down, 
Count to five, count to ten, count to a hundred if you need to, whatever it is. But allow peace to rule in your hearts and your, in your minds and speak the truth in love. A few ways we can do this. The first way is tell the truth in love during non-conflict times. That's the whole, you know, sometimes when it's in conflict and we begin to yell and emotions escalate. We've got to know, so you know the phrase, it's not about what you say, it's about how you say it. It's also about when you say it. Sometimes we've got to choose. That's not avoidance. If you're saying, you know, I'm not going to talk about this right now. That's not avoiding the conflict. That's just being wise about when the appropriate time is to address it. Yeah? Tell the truth in love during non-conflict times. Second thing, address the issue. Don't attack the person. Yeah? Address the issue. Don't attack the person. We've got to be careful. Be careful how we approach the issue. So make sure we're not blame shifting. Make sure we're not flinging accusations and attacking the person, but that we're talking about the issue. So, for example, don't say, you hurt me and you don't care and you are a horrible person. That's just attacking the person. If we want to address the issue, say, I felt hurt when you said this or when you did this. You never listen. I hate it when you don't listen to me. Instead of attacking the person, address the issue. I feel like you aren't listening to me and that makes me feel like you don't value me. The third thing is this, avoid fatalistic words like never and always. If we want to speak the truth in love, avoid fatalistic words like never and always. Have you ever been in an argument? You never, you always. Do you know why those words are fatalistic? It's because they're untrue to begin with. It's very unlikely that that person never or always does or says that thing that you're accusing them of always or never saying or doing, yeah? So from the very beginning, the basis of the argument is unfair because it's untrue. The other thing that those words do, I'm not saying the words never and always are evil, <laughs> just saying sometimes in that context we can use them fatalistically. And what that does is it doesn't give people any hope. Because if you're saying, I, you know, we need to talk about this because something needs to change. What you're saying by saying never and always is that you've never changed, you never will change, and I'm never going to see a change. So you're starting the, 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 you're starting the discussion with the premise of you're never going to change. So what's the point anyway? It's fatalistic. It doesn't give hope. So we've got to learn to restrain a little sometimes, speak the truth in love, and, and be careful about the words that we choose to use and how we say them. Keep the discussion honest. Can I give you an example? If I say to Brendan, it's just my chance right now just to like get him back because he's got me a couple of weeks in a row. So don't repay evil for evil. Uh, <laughs> so if I say to Brendan, you never do the dishes. You never do the dishes. It's not true because three months ago. and we get into a heated argument, well, he'll think, you know what, I did the dishes three months ago and you didn't notice that I did them anyway. So what's the point of doing the dishes is if, if even when I do them, you don't notice? <laughs> just, just getting our domestic dispute out right now. <laughs> I'm kidding. My husband is a great man. He prefers to cook and that's good because I prefer to clean. He can cook. We're good. Teamwork makes the dream work. Amen. So... Avoid fatalistic words like never and always. Peacemakers tell the truth in love. The second thing that peacemakers do, peacemakers apologize. Peacemakers apologize. Brennan, I'm sorry. 
for saying those things about you. <laughs> there we go. But I'm good between me and God now, so. <laughs> Peacemakers apologize. I think we should all just start our marriages by saying sorry to one another, right? <laughs> James chapter 5, verse 16. Make this your common practice. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you can live together whole and healed. A couple of things about apologies. Apologize meaningfully. Apologize meaningfully. I don't know about you, but with my kids, if they've had a fisticuff or they've had a fight and I'll go, you've got to go and say sorry and they'll be all gruff and like, sorry. And then you go, no, sorry for what? Yeah? I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, what did you do? Sorry, what are you sorry for? You've got to apologize meaningfully. I don't know, I'm just saying sorry because you told me I have to say sorry. That is, it's not a meaningful apology, is it? Peacemakers, apologize meaningfully and apologize without excuses. I'm sorry that I did this, but if you hadn't have done that, then I wouldn't have done this. If you didn't do that, then apologize without excuses. You know, there's a difference between remorse and repentance. Remorse is, I'm really sorry that I got caught. (laughs) Remorse is, I'm really sorry that you're so sensitive and you can't handle this conversation. Remorse is like, I'm sorry that you got your feelings hurt and I'm sorry that we're going through this. Repentance is, I was wrong. I made a mistake. I've sinned. And we take ownership for what's taken place. We take our part of the responsibility. That's what repentance is. You know what the three hardest things to say are? What do they say the three hardest things to say in this life are? I was wrong, you were right, and what's the sheer sauce? <laughs> That's true, hey. What's the sheer sauce? What's the sheer sauce? That we should just make that the code word when we need to apologize and forgive one another. Instead of saying, I was wrong and you were right, just say, what's the sheer sauce? And everybody will know what's going on. Yeah? <laughs> It'll make those conversations a lot easier because we don't actually have to say, I was wrong. We just say, what's the sheer sauce? Anyway. If needed, ask for forgiveness. You know, sorry is for mistakes. Will you forgive me is for sin. And when we've wronged somebody, we should ask for forgiveness. It is forgiveness that creates that pathway that we can walk in peace and blessing of God. The third thing is this. So peacemakers, they tell the truth in love. Peacemakers, they apologize. You know, I don't want to apologize. They did it to me. Hey, remember about taking the high road? Do to others as you would have them do for you. Remember that word shalom, peace? Not just about wishing the absence of bad, but wishing the highest good. Yeah? Let's be believers that take the high road and make peace. The third thing is that peacemakers forgive and let go. So we need to ask for forgiveness when we've wronged, but peacemakers need to learn to forgive and let go. Yeah? Because peace and unforgiveness... They don't coexist. They don't get along. Peace and unforgiveness. If we want to have homes and families that are marked by peace, that we would be called children of God, we need to learn to forgive and to let go. It's a process. Forgiveness is not just this instant overnight thing. Sometimes it can be, but a lot of the time it's a long process. It's a journey that we've got to walk, that we've got to decide to go on. But can I, can I encourage you, don't drag it out any longer than you need to. Yeah, don't drag it out longer than it has to go because what you're doing is you're only self-sabotaging when we choose to hold on to unforgiveness. Sometimes people think, oh, if I 
that person doesn't that person doesn't deserve to be forgiven can I tell you something it's not about whether that person deserves forgiveness or not because none of us do really it's not about whether that person deserves forgiveness it's about the kind of person that you want to be forgiveness is about you and the kind of person that you want to be to be free, to be released from those chains, not to be bound by unforgiveness, but to be released and to be able to walk freely and have peace in your life. See, sometimes we think that if we just forgive somebody, it doesn't take the damage of that sin seriously. If we just forgive them, it's just like we can all just pack up and walk on and move away and, and, and just move on. And nobody, nobody knows that this thing has really hurt me, that this thing has taken place. We think that forgiveness just excuses sin. That's not the case at all. That's like thinking you've been like you've been in a car accident. You've been in the car accident. It wasn't your fault. The other person was at fault. And there's been damage. There's been pain, and there's been hurt caused. But that thinking, holding on to unforgiveness, would be like us thing, saying, "Well, I've got to stay here at the scene of the accident, and I'm not going anywhere until the people are served justice. Because if I leave, then it means that they're just going to clean up this accident. It'll be like it never happened." That's what unforgiveness is like. Holding, it's refusing to leave the scene of the accident. Whereas forgiveness is recognizing that there is a higher authority. So when you've been at the scene, if you've been in an accident, there are the authorities that show up, whether they're police or whatever it is. There are authorities that show up and us choosing to forgive is saying, you know what, I'm handing this over to a higher authority because actually I don't have the power to serve justice. I don't actually have the power to deal out the consequences that this person deserves. I don't have the power to do that. But if I hand that over to the appropriate authorities, they have the power. God has the power to settle the score. He's got the power to make sure justice prevails in Jesus' name. We've got to learn to trust our God who says, vengeance is mine. God says, vengeance is mine. Don't worry about what's going on. I've got your back. Hand it over to me. I will sort it out for you. Don't you worry about that. He is the ultimate judge and he will make sure that he sees justice served. And if, those, if the person that has wronged you, if they ask for forgiveness, then God will surely forgive them too. Forgiveness is not necessarily easy. But can I tell you something? It is necessary. It is a necessary part of a Christ-centered person's life. Yeah? Yeah? Another way to put it, it's like forgiveness. Sometimes people say forgiveness just excuses sin. Actually, no, forgiveness, forgiveness calls sin, sin. It's like, actually, this sin requires forgiveness. And so what it is, it's like applying stitches to a deep cut. Actually, this cut, this wound, is, this needs stitches. It's actually, it is serious. It has deeply hurt you. It needs forgiveness. Our son the same one I talked about before, Ollie, when he was about 18 months old, he was in the bath with our other son and they were just playing, but they fell over. He fell over and he bit his tongue in the bath. It was awesome. I wasn't there. So it's not my fault. <laughs> no. Um, Brennan said the bath just turned red because just, he just bled and bled from, the, from his tongue. And so me being the strong one with the strong stomach, I had to step in and take control of the situation <laughs> and anyway short long story short we ended up in the emergency that night because I wasn't sure we were, weren't sure if he was going to need stitches or not and the doctor after about three hours of waiting to see them she said no we're going to have to put stitches in it he needed four stitches in his tongue because he bit it so hard 
And so I was talking with this doctor. It's the middle of the night. I'm tired. I'm like, is this really necessary? Do we have to go through? Can I just take him home? And it should just be okay. It's the mouth. The mouth heals quickly. It'll be fine. She said, no, if we don't put stitches in it, it's going to be an open wound in his mouth that is at high risk of getting infected over and over and over again, that as he eats, it'll just get food stuck in it. It'll get lodged in there. and it'll, It's just going to become a real mess, Yeah. And it kind of made me think, you know what, that's kind of how stitches work. You've got you to apply the stitches to the wound in order to allow it to heal properly, to allow healing to take place. If we don't put those stitches in, it's just going to be fester. I don't know if you've ever dealt with unforgiveness where it festers, it lingers, it makes you smelly. <laughs> so forgiveness is like, you know what, it hurts. Sometimes it hurts, but you've got to put those stitches in, allow that wound to heal. And do you know what happens with stitches too? So it doesn't necessarily make all the pain go away straight away, does it? Sometimes it takes days, even weeks. If you've ever had stitches, oh, it's still a bit sore. Oh, it's still a bit. But putting those stitches in gives it the best opportunity to heal. And over time, and with God's grace and with God's help, He can then do a healing work deep in our hearts that we cannot do on our own. I actually believe we cannot do it on our own. We need the grace of God. We need his help in extending forgiveness to others. You know, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as God forgave you. The last scripture is in James chapter 3 verse 17. It says this, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Verse 18, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Come on, that is a promise for you and I. That is a promise for us as believers, as followers of Christ, that if we would choose to sow peace, if we would choose to live our lives in a way that we would make peace, that we would wish the highest good on those around us in in our world, that we would take the high road, that we would take the first step in saying, hey, no, I'm not just about keeping peace, not just about trying to keep out evil, but I'm about moving forward. I'm about making peace, moving forward and wishing the highest good upon my, my spouse, my children, and those in my home, those in my world. In Jesus' name, peacemakers who sow in peace, how you can be certain that you will reap a harvest. Harvest sometimes takes time, takes time, doesn't it? You sow seeds. Sometimes you've got to wait a little while before you see that harvest. But if you do not give up, you will see that harvest in Jesus' name. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. If you could all close your eyes in this place. I just want to encourage people, if you're here today, you know what, we we never close a service without giving people an opportunity to respond to Jesus. I talked about Jesus, who is the ultimate peacemaker. This Jesus who bridged the gap that we were once separated from God. We were dead in our sins, but Jesus came and he brought us back to life. He gave us an opportunity to have our sins forgiven, that we could be reconciled with our heavenly Father, that we could walk in freedom, free from sin. He conquered death. He conquered sin and shame, and He did that for you. The Bible talks about when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, if we we decide to be a Christ follower, that we become part of the family of God, that we become children of God. And I want to encourage you today, if you're here today and you don't know God, you don't have a personal relationship 
with Him. You've never asked Jesus to be the Lord and Saviour of your life. I want to encourage you today to, to come into the family of God. To respond to your Heavenly Father who loves you so much. And to receive the forgiveness that He so freely gives to each and every one of us. Can I tell you something today? Walking in that forgiveness, knowing that you are forgiven, that is the most incredible thing you can ever experience in your life. Greater than anything. So if that's you in this place, before we move on, you would say, you know what? I want to receive Jesus. I want to make Him my Lord and my Saviour. Then while no one else is looking around, would you raise your hand so that I could see it? I just want to know who I'm praying for today. That's awesome. Is there anyone else today that would say, yes, pray with me. I want to follow Jesus. I want to make Him the centre of my life. So good. Church, we're going to pray this prayer together. So I want you to say it, mean it from your heart. And even if you didn't raise your hand, if you know that you need to say this prayer, whether it's for the first time or you're just making a fresh decision today, we're going to say this as a family. It goes like this. Dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Thank you for forgiving my sin, for setting me free, for giving me a future and a hope. I choose to follow you and make you the centre of my life. In your name I pray. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. Come on church, let's rejoice with those people making a decision to follow Jesus. Come on, life will never be the same again. Can we stand to our feet? I just want to pray. I just want to take a few moments to pray before we head out. Because you know what, talking particularly on the subject of forgiveness is, is not always easy. Hearing it is not always easy. And I'm not asking anybody to, to come out to the front or to say anything or do anything, but this is between you and God right now. And I just want to ask that question or pose that question. Is there unforgiveness in your life that you're holding on to? Is there anything that you're holding on to and the Holy Spirit today is, is prompting you and, and nudging you to say, hey, surrender it, let it go. Let it go to the high court. Let it go to the higher authority. Let it go to that higher power so that you can experience freedom. You don't have to stay at the scene of the accident. You can walk away and move on in your life, walk in freedom, go from strength to strength, from glory to glory and experience healing. So for a few moments, I just want to pray. No one's looking around. And if you feel comfortable, why don't you raise your hands to heaven as a sign of surrender saying, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus, I, I want to walk in, in peace. Help me to be a peacemaker. Help me to apply those principles to my life that I could experience blessing. Father, I just pray for every person in this place to, today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would reign. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do what only you can do. God, you can get into the depths of our heart. God, you can get into the deepest, darkest places. God, those, those things that we've shut away. God, I pray that you would bring healing in Jesus' name. God, give us the courage to bring it up. Give us the courage to, to face it, not to avoid that conflict, not to avoid that pain or hurt, but God, to move forward in it, Jesus' name, that we could see a healing take place that we could experience freedom in Jesus' name. God, I pray for any family situations between husband and wife. 
God, we pray your hand upon it in Jesus' name. I pray you'd bind them together in peace in Jesus' name. As we make decisions to walk forward, that we would apologise, that we would learn to forgive and let go, that we would speak the truth in love. God, help us to be characterised by your Holy Spirit. Give us the strength we need. God, give us the wisdom. Your Word says if we just ask for wisdom, you will give it to us. God, I pray over every relationship. I pray over every marriage. I pray over children that are away from God. We, we, we pray them into the family of God once again. God, I pray that you would give us hope. God, give us peace. Help us to trust you even in the most difficult times. God, we thank you for the forgiveness that you so freely have given us. Help us to be children of God who extend that freedom, who receive your forgiveness and extend that forgiveness to others in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Awesome. God bless you, church.